Good morning, church. It's been an interesting week, huh? May we keep in prayer those, uh, we got different people out for different reasons, uh, you know, but may we uh, keep all of our uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in prayer, that the Lord continues watching over them, have favor upon their lives, and that they return safely and well. Um, I'm excited for this morning. It is paramount times right now. And, uh, you know, it's it's just really cool to see where we're at uh, personally as a church and seeing what we're going to get into, because all of what's going on around us, it all plays into the bigger picture. And Jesus is coming back soon. You know, I know people could say, oh, yeah, you know, you've been saying that for the longest time. But you know what? Jesus Christ is going to come back. And when he comes back. You want to be on the right side of the ledger. You want to be on his side. You don't want to be apart from him. You don't want to wish like uh, the old rich man that you could just dip your finger in some water (laughs) to get some relief from the torment. And that's not even hell. That's not even hell. That's just your so desires that you wish you would have given Jesus a chance in your life and actually received him. And so we don't, we don't want that on anybody. It's like, it's so unfortunate. You think of all the people that died, all the souls that have already came and gone. And those that did not, did not receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Same thing. If I could just tip my tip of my, my finger in some water to get some relief, but it's the torment of knowing that uh, willfully refusing Christ. And so we have the great opportunity to engulf ourselves in Christ even more this morning. So with that, if you would, please, if you can, stand, and I'll go ahead and read the scripture this morning. We'll be in Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 3. Very short verses, but so much packed in this that it will take, it could take up even more time than we have, but I cannot, you know, waste, use, excuse me, it wouldn't be waste, but I could not use up all that time in that manner. So we'll, we'll get into these three verses and unpack them and uh, be richly blessed by them. All right. So Revelation chapter one, verse starting in verse one down through three, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity as we begin to dive into the book of Revelation. Lord, would you reveal to us what it is you would have us to understand about this book? Show us how it applies to our lives this morning. Give us the right mind uh, through the Holy Spirit to rightfully divide your word to, uh, again, apply these principles to our lives. Help us to not forsake what's in this book. Help us to not think we have it figured out and that we could just live a wishy-washy lifestyle and claim to be followers of your son, Jesus Christ. May we stand on the rock of Christ and give all honor and glory to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So as we learned last week, The book of Revelation is all about the glory of Jesus Christ revealed. It's him in all his splendor and grandeur, if you will, returning to rule over this world and to administer true righteous justice because it is necessary. Today, we will spend our time in the first three verses of uh, the book of Revelation to see how the risen Christ revealed to us is a great blessing. It's, it's, it's something so rich money can't pay for. The richest person monetarily in the world that doesn't compare to the richness that you get 
in Jesus Christ. It's a different kind of richness, but it's, it's worth far more than any ruby or beautiful jewel or any bar of gold that you could obtain in this world. But there's a stipulation. It's not just that you hear what's in this prophecy of this book, but it's also that we keep the commands found in the book. And so that's where we want to focus our attention this morning. We have several main points, and uh, I'll go over them. The first one is this, all good things, everything that's good, anything that's good comes from the hand of God. This very first verse that we see explains that the revelation of Jesus Christ comes from God. Comes from God. Comes from the Trinity, if you will. God the Father reveals it through, obviously, the Scripture and the text through Jesus Christ. Also through the understanding that the Holy Spirit gives you as you're able to rightfully divide and understand the Word as it's preached or heard or as you read it. But it is God who reveals Jesus Christ to man. Mad-made understanding thinks we understand the truth of who God is, but that won't cut it. You see, we were just having a conversation before we prayed over the service, and, you know, Sal had mentioned, you know, I had, had spoken to, to several people this week, and they said, oh, yes, I, you know, I have faith in God. And that's such a loose term. Now, we know we're not called to make a final judgment for we cannot see into a man or woman's heart to determine what they mean by what they say. But we are called to make judgments. If you think you're a Christian and you're called and you're not called to make judgments, you're acting foolish. You are certainly called to make judgments. Certainly the character of a man or woman will be revealed in their actions. Hence fruit that is produced. It's so easy to say, oh, I trust in God. Well, what God? Because there are so many gods. Magog, little gods, uh, you know, different deities. There's so many gods. But God's son has a specific name, and it's Jesus Christ. Now, if someone says, I believe in Jesus Christ, that's, to me, that sits way better to me than, you know, oh, yeah, I, I believe in God. Okay, you could refer to yourself as God, as some people do today. And unwillingly and unknowingly and willingly and knowingly they do. But as we see from our text this morning, the revelation of Jesus Christ comes from God. And it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. It is something that you, you, cannot, you cannot barter and wager the revelation of Jesus Christ in your life. So if you sit in these seats this morning and you have had the understanding or the revelation of Jesus Christ revealed to you, you should count yourself as extremely blessed. Blessed beyond what you could even imagine because you now have an understanding and a framework of the true and living God, the creator of this world and this universe. And aren't so many people filling their lives with so much stuff other than Him thinking that they're, they're, they're living their best life now, right? They have obtained so much in this world, but yet they are hopeless without life because they have not experienced this revelation of Jesus Christ. And we pray for them that, that one day, Lord willing, they would turn from their ways and receive the revelation of God in their lives. The book of Romans talks about God revealing himself throughout all of his creation. And so uh, this is important for us to understand because God has already shown these things but because our hearts are naturally darkened many times we we refuse to accept the revelation of God because we just don't want to we don't want to submit ourselves to his ways but Romans chapter 1 18 and 20 tell us this it says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is made plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His, in, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, 
So they are without excuse. Do you understand this morning that you in this building and myself and the people outside of this room, they are without excuse. We are without excuse. You cannot say, I I don't know. I didn't know. No, you did know, but you chose to defy the true and living God because you thought it best to do your own thing. You thought it best to do what you want to do. You thought it best to create God in your own image, in your own likeness, in the way that is comfortable to you. We see a lot of that in all these movements going on. You know, all these movements, it's misguided energy. But what are they doing? What are they really accomplishing? And I'm not going to get into the politics of things, but we see it clear as day. You know, Black Lives Matter is not what they claim it really is. You know, and that probably sounds funny coming from someone with my skin complexion. But you know what? If you look at what's the complexity of all that stuff, it comes out of an ideology that's not correct and it's not biblical at all. The same thing with Christian nationalism. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but the reality is I don't have a crystal ball. But you know what? America's not all up in revelation like that. So at some point we're going to get wiped out. It's probably going to happen. It is going to happen. You know, because these are just things that have to unfold in order for Israel to be attacked and things of that nature. So it's a trip because if we don't take our marching orders from Jesus Christ, we are going to be in a world of trouble. And we see that going on in the world today where people are taking their marching orders from so many other places. It's like focus, hunker down in the word of God. Michelle said it earlier, be on your knees in prayer. Do we understand how vital prayer is? (laughs) It's like prayer is a forgotten art in the Christian faith. We need to be in prayer daily, moment by moment, living a lifestyle of that. And I'm not talking about being weird and being a monk and hiding out because that's not right either. Oh, I'm so spiritual, but there's no application to my life. I don't interact with my neighbors. I'm, I'm too afraid to be next to people. That's not cool. That's not the Christian way, right? But we have to have some practicality to what we do. And and it's centered around Christ and it's centered around prayer and and that oneness with him. But as this text in Romans reveals, he already had shown all of us. He had shown mankind. But because of mankind's uh, unrighteousness, we chose to suppress the truth. You know, and as we continue to, to see things unfold, you'll begin to see as you peel the onion layers back of things going on, whether it be in government or society, uh, man, social media, it's like people are suppressing the truth. They, they don't want the truth to be put out there. They don't want the truth revealed for fear of them losing control of a situation that they want a certain way. And so we see this happening in our own time, real time. And so It's an amazing time to be alive. It's an amazing time to serve the Lord and to tell people about the greatness of Jesus Christ and how their souls can be filled even today, that they don't have to be uh, in bondage to KTV2 news, you know? And it's like all they they report is all these wildfires and this and that, and it it just, there's nothing good. Maybe Mark Ibanez in, in, in a sports rap, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll show, you know, he'll share something cool. But, you know, yeah, I laugh, too, because, you know, what? it's that's like the only lighthearted thing you're ever going to get. Everything else is just, man, it's just they just pile it on, pile it on. And, you know, I, don't fall into that trap of watching the four o'clock, the five o'clock, the six o'clock, because you're going to just be depressed. You know, I try to see that stuff one time at 10 o'clock so I can catch up on what are, what are they talking about? What, what's, what's going on? What's their, what's their take on what's going on in the world today? And then I can go ahead and match that up with other sources to try to make sense of what's going on. But, yeah, don't get bogged down in that. If anything, let, let yourself get entrenched in the word of God. And, you know, that, that stuff, you're, you're going to be able to deal with it a whole lot better. You're going to have such a and it's not a positive attitude because that whole positive mindset stuff, that's a bunch. That's a crock, too. You know, you need Christ because the reality is we get depressed. We get hurt. We get stressed out. We get scared. If you're a Christian and say you've never been scared, you're a liar. But it's in Christ that we find our strength. It's in Christ that we find our refuge. It's in Christ that we find our hope. So all that anxiety and all that stuff that you're, 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 you're just you're wondering what's going on. 
You don't have to get wrapped up in that. It, again, I'll allude to what uh, Michelle said earlier. She said, may we lay everything at your feet. May we really do that. You know, if you got something that's, that's, that's just on your heart, you don't hold on to it. You got to lay it at the feet of Jesus Christ and allow him to take that burden. And what does the word say? Take his yoke upon you. And that way you're able to deal with these circumstances as they come about in your life, in my life. You see, people fail to acknowledge the majesty of God. And as a consequence, his wrath will be revealed instead. You see, he's giving us the opportunity now to accept the, uh, I guess, the warm fuzzies, if you will. (laughs) And you can get that side and that aspect and that character of the Lord if you're willing to repent and see the error in your ways and acknowledge Okay, Lord, I don't have it all together. I need a Savior. Your Son, Jesus Christ, is the one who came to die in my place. You could receive that. If you choose to forego that, then you will, unfortunately, have, as a consequence, you will have to experience His wrath. And that's not going to be a good thing. This is exactly what we see happening in the book of Revelation. So when you and I are able to recognize the revelation of Jesus Christ in our own personal lives, we would be wise to not turn a blind eye to it, but to open up and say, okay, thank you. And to praise Him for that rich blessing of having Him revealed to you. And now you can understand Him better and and, and see, you know, and we were talking about this earlier this morning as well. Uh, you know, it's not that you have this trembling fear as you go before God, like, oh man, I'm going to get beat. You're going to throw me in hell. No, but it's a reverent respect as a child should have for their father or mother or for their guardian that they, they, they have a reverent respect for them. And, and that's the way it should be. But, it, but, God, but God shouldn't be distant from us. We shouldn't feel like I, I, can't, I can't come before you or I can't acknowledge you because I'm, oh, I'm so bad and I'm so nasty and so... It's like, he knows. He's like, dude, he's like, but I, I, I want to wash you clean. I've already, made, I've already made it so you can be clean. And your sins could be as white as snow. So why do you not want to come near to me? Why do you not want to come close to me? For I want a deep relationship with you. I want to commune with you. Right? Communion. Oh, that's such a beautiful thing. I want to have a, 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 a common union with you, my creation, because I love you so dearly. Do, 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 do you... Do you really understand that God glories over you? Man, he is so pleased with you as his prized possession that, that, that he loves you with such a deep, rich love. But many times this love or this idea of his love gets distorted by, by, by what, what is taught. And, and we, we can't recognize like, man, God really does love me. You know, we walk around with our heads down. It's like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Walk, walk around with the confidence that you're a child of the king. <laughs> You're a child of the Most High God. And you have the awesome responsibility of being able to share that truth with those in your sphere of influence. You see, there's people that I will never talk to that you have constant communication with. And you're alive right now because the Lord still sees fit that your life be of use to Him. Wow, that's amazing. That's a beautiful thing. You know, that's a beautiful thing that, that He thinks that, that much of you. You know, that even on your deathbed, You could be used in a magnificent way to share the love of Christ to others, the way you gracefully enter into uh, rest with Him. Man, that's a trip. That is such a trip. All right. The second main point is this. The entire Word of God bears witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And, and, and And I just got to thinking this week, that's probably why people, people with without the proper framework of the Bible in context, think that Christians are fanatical. But it's like, you know, this is it's so real. If we really understood what Christ did for us, we would understand, yes, the entirety of the Word of God rests upon Him because what He has done. I don't think that's fanatical at all. I think it's more fanatical when people take extreme measures and, and, and violently try to take people out for a cause. That's extreme, you know? But Christianity is just a true reality. It's like if you, you've really understood 
what Christ has done for you, how, how could you not understand and accept and boast of his love and his goodness to you? You see, the reality is the baseline for understanding the flow of the word of God rests upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. If we, if we wrestle and struggle with this fact, we are going to have a difficult time going through any portion of Scripture because it all points back to Christ. <laughs> it all points back to Him. You know, that's why, again, it can't be a thing where, oh, I'm tired of hearing about Jesus. I'm tired of hearing about the cross. I'm tired of hearing about uh, my sins have been paid for, I've been forgiven. If you were like that old man wanting to dip your finger in, in that cup of water, you'd be like, tell me, I want to hear, I, I can't get enough, tell me, you know. But this side of it, you know, we need to allow ourselves to, to, to be influenced by the word of God. As, 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 as the word says, be, 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 be intoxicated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Be intoxicated, be drunk with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that every action, every thought is influenced by the Holy Spirit. That means when an unclean thought comes in your mind, you take it captive. You don't just sit there, you know, like someone who, who's not thinking correctly and, and, and you just allow these impure things to pop into your mind. You have the wherewithal to spot it and you deal with it accordingly. You see, but that's, not, that's something that only the Holy Spirit can convict you about. And that's only, that's, only the Holy Spirit can give you the uh, power and the authority to do that and, the, and to be able to do it in, in a way where it's effective. You know, because me telling you and trying to hammer it into your, is not going to do anything. All I can do is just share with you what I believe the Lord is revealing to me. And, and hopefully uh, it, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that gets confirmed with the Holy Spirit living in you. I can't lie to you. You guys would see right through me because we share the same Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, you can't pull the wool over the eyes of those who have the Holy Spirit living within them, within them, excuse me. But again, the, the entirety of the word of God bears upon the testimony of Jesus Christ. We see this as uh, an angel of God was sent to the apostle John to bear witness of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I love this verse in John Chapter 5, verse 39. This is Christ speaking of himself, but it's plain as day. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. So Christ is saying straight up, as he was speaking to the religious leaders of that day, you're searching the scriptures. You're going to seminary. You're doing all this. You're uncovering all these texts, thinking that you have eternal life in all this. All of what you're looking at points to him. He said it points to me. But you guys reject me because you don't like what I come to share. Because you don't agree with what I share. Because you don't agree that the Gentiles will be saved too. You don't agree that you don't have to keep all these rituals, all these laws that I've come to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, but you guys want to hold on to your law. You want to hold on to your traditions, but I'm telling you that I've come with newness of life. And so Jesus is making it plain and clear. So again, for us double down, there's no excuse for us not to know the revelation of Jesus Christ because we've had far too many opportunities to know him. Far too many opportunities. This is a basic fact in Christian life, and it cannot be ignored. When we are settled on this foundational truth, the better off we will be in understanding the whole scope of the Bible. I mean, it's going to click. It's going to click to you, and you're going to grow a deeper admiration and love for Jesus, and it's just going to be super cool. It's not going to be weird. You're not going to be, like I said, a fanatic. You're not going to be someone who's uh, obsessed in some unclean, unhealthy kind of way. But you're going to have a right perspective. And that beauty and that love is going to permeate from your soul to other people. And people are going to pick up on it, you know. And, and people are either going to love you for it or they're going to hate you for it. But either way, you're going to be in the right position because you have a clear understanding of who Christ is in your life. And, and you'll begin to see the Lord use you in mighty ways. 
You know, they may seem minuscule to other people. It may not make it on TV. You may not have a million, you know, followers on Instagram or whatever, but it's not about that. It's about the fact that everywhere you step, you're bringing Jesus with you and you're blessing people as you go along in life. Wow, that's amazing to be used like that from the potter. All right, the third main point is this. Blessed are those who teach or read the book of Revelation and blessed are those who hear it, understand it, and keep it. So right off the bat, we see God wants us to know all about the revelation in this book. He wants you to know. You know, it's, as I look back on my Christian life, I, you know, I remember back when I was in my early 20s and, you know, I wasn't solid in the Lord. I was just, you know, I'd come once in a while. I got baptized, but I was not saved, you know. And I would hear people say, I, I don't I don't I don't want to get in the book of Revelations. Well, I didn't know any better back then. I didn't know Revelation was uh, Revelations was not correct. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I heard about some like ten horns and dragons and some lady coming on a horse, I don't know, craziness and this and that. And, and you know, I would run into people every now and again and they would say that. They just they get this fear. Of the book of Revelation. It's actually interesting. So, you know, there are actually a few Christians that, that, that work at my job. And, you know, we have conversations. One man in particular, older gentleman, and super cool, man. I just, I vibe with them. Um, and that's how you know it's, it's, you know, that's how you know it's the Lord. Because, you know, aside from sports, we have nothing in common at all. He's an older, you know, o- older white gentleman and, and totally cool. But, you know, we got nothing in common. But we got Christ. We got the Holy Spirit. And so it's like, Man, bro, you're like you're like the dad I never had, you know, and, 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 and we just, you know, we find ourselves having to kind of be a little secretive about some of the stuff we talk about, because it's like, man, if other people hear it, man, because my, my work is all about inclusion and everybody's involved. And I had to tell him to the site, you know, did you see that thing that you got? Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor. And, you know, he's oh, my gosh, can't believe it is. But, you know, it's we'd get reprimanded if we said that at the table. Amongst everyone else. I I work with people that are, you know, they they live that lifestyle. And so, you know, but you can curse on the job. But you start talking about Jesus. Oh, no. But I'm making the point. There was another uh, lady and and a nice, nice uh, older lady as well. And she's a Christian. And uh, she had, you know, come up to me uh, later in the day. And we're talking. And she said, oh, yeah, my uh, my church is starting to go through the book of Revelation. And she said, oh, man, I'm like, can we just go through Psalms? Or, or Proverbs. Or, she's like, I'm just not ready to, to hear about all that. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to really engage with her and, and, and share my thoughts about the matter. But it's, you know, I, I, and I pray for her, you know, that she would grow in her maturity. And maybe, maybe that just comes from a place of I mean, she genuinely doesn't really, you know, want to deal with that at this point. But isn't it like our God? It doesn't matter what you want to deal with. You're going to deal with what he's allowing to come through his hands. And my whole point is he wants us to understand this book. It's not hidden in the dark. It's not some weird cryptic thing where you got to have some secret Morse code to understand it. He wants his children, his, the, the believers of Jesus Christ, his, his children, his, his sons and daughters to understand this book. He wants us to understand it so much that he stated, blessed are the ones who read and blessed are the ones who listen and keep the words that are in this book. It doesn't say cursed. It doesn't say you're cursed if you read this book, cursed if you teach it. But there's many churches that won't even get into it. They won't even delve into it. They will steer clear of it and they will try to avoid it as much as possible. That's a great incentive for studying this book. I mean, who doesn't want God's blessing in their lives? I know I, I want it. I'm like, Lord, bless me. And I'm not talking about a monetary blessing. I'm not talking about a house on the hill and a, and a brand new Camaro with a pension. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about having that, having that, that, that unhindered relationship with God that I could know for a fact that I hear from God through his word and that he's with me and that he's protecting me. And that as it was alluded to during uh, worship, that man, Lord, you are protecting me. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in shame. I don't have to live in guilt 
I sleep with a clear conscience. I bring everything that goes up, that comes down in my life before the Lord. So you know what? I have peace about the decisions I make. That's what I want. I want that. And, and we should want that too. And that is part of the blessing he's talking about. But we need to make sure we understand the whole scope of this statement. Because it doesn't just say whoever reads or teaches and hears will be blessed, but rather whoever teaches, reads, listens, and keeps what is written will be blessed. You see, there's, a, <laughs> there's something there. There's some part of responsibility on our part. Some part that's our responsibility. So, so how do you keep what's written? Well, you, 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 you do it by taking it to heart, by not thinking it's a joke, by not just letting it go in one ear and out the other without no care in the world, like, oh, I, you know, whatever. I get it, but there's no application. There's no real, there's no foundation of it in my life. Nobody could know that I'm a Christian if you asked them. They'd be like, no, it's full super worldly. Just look at what he does. Look at who he hangs out with. Listen to his mouth. <laughs> Dude's worse than the sinner. He's a Christian. He's a pastor. My gosh. No, it shouldn't be that at all. We keep what is written by living out the principles found in this book. What we don't want to do is what James warned us about, right? Looking intently in the mirror, walking away, forgetting what we look like. We don't want to be like that. So as we begin this study, may we remember the importance of retaining what we actually learn and applying it to our lives. Application is so important. Or else you just end up being a spiritual big head. And I'll be real with you, nobody likes a spiritual big head. I can't stand people who talk, 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 got so much information, but there's no application. I'm like, dude, you're just annoying. Straight up, I, I'm sorry, but you're just annoying. Because nobody wants to be preached to or talked to and then see that there's no real evidence of this person living a life that is above reproach, a life that is worthy of being called a Christian. You know, um, you know, I was talking to Pastor Tim, and I might have mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again if, if people didn't get it. But, um, you know, he, he was sharing with me how he, you know, he believes he's agnostic as far as all this stuff going on with, you know, is the virus real? Is it not real? Not that, but the virus is real. But, you know, does the vaccines work? Do they not work? Do the masks work? Do they not work? He's like, I don't got... I don't, got so, I don't got enough time to be unearthing all this information. I'm not going to spend every waking hour of my day researching this stuff to make a decision. He's like, I got one PhD person telling me this. I got another double PhD person totally not acknowledging what this other one's saying. And then he's like, you look at the state of the church. And he said, the Lord revealed this to me. This is how the world looks at the church. Because you got people saying, yes, women can be pastors. No, women can't be pastors. Yes, we believe in prophets that have all the spirits now. No, we don't believe that people can be apostles anymore. This and that. And it's like, man, you got all this confusion, unfortunately, going on within the so-called church. And then we wonder why people are like, I'm straight. I'm good. And that's why the church, the true church, of Jesus Christ, not Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. The true church of Jesus Christ needs to be intact. We need to be across the board. This is what it is. We're preaching and teaching the word of God in its entirety, not picking and choosing what we think is okay. No, pick the parts that are difficult. You think I wanted to teach the book of Revelation? I was one of those people like, nah, but I could not shake the fact that the Lord kept showing me, no, after you're done with Acts, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. No, you're not going to some, you're not doing the other stuff because it's not time for that. He's showing me this is where you need to be. This is what I want my people to understand and know. And so this is that truth. All right, let's go ahead and knock out these verses. Verses 1 and 2, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, show, uh, excuse me, to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Again, the revelation of Jesus this ancient word translated 
is apocalypse or apocalypsis, which basically means a revealing or an unveiling, an unveiling of something. What is it or what is this something or who is this something? The book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the sense that it belongs to him. He is the one doing the revealing. It is Christ himself that is unpacking this, that is showing these things. This is what's going on. This is who I am. And this is what I will do. It is also Jesus's revelation in the sense that, again, he is the object being revealed. Jesus is the person revealed by this book. From the onset, we are given the most important truth about the book of Revelation. You see, this book does talk about the Antichrist. It does show God's judgment. It does show calamity on earth and all the chaos that will ensue and all the stuff that people just get wowed about, right? Get enamored about. Let's make movies about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not knocking that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. It shows us the, the mystery of Babylon in vital detail, right? All these things go on in the book. But you see, most of all, it shows the revelation of Jesus Christ to us. If we catch everything else, and we're like, oh, this is what the seals mean. Oh, this is how they're going to break. Oh, man, this is how the sky's going to crack open and we're going to be raptured. <laughs> if we get all that, but we miss Jesus in the book, we've missed the whole point of the book of Revelation. We missed it, you know. And again, don't become fanatical about it, man. It's like people just, again, this is the date. This is the time. You already know that's false. The Lord already said don't nobody know the date of the time. Not even the son knows the date of the time. And he's the one coming back. So if he don't know, then what are we doing wasting our time trying to figure out and calculate well, that, this, and that? Come on, man. You're doing too much. You're doing way too much. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. I won't say the other word, but just keep it simple, right? We need to see that this is not a sealed book. It is meant to be understood. The understanding and the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The application is this. How we desperately, even within the church, dare I say, need a true, raw revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, a great fault of many is that Jesus Christ is just a character on paper. That this, this is all it is. That this is all it is. They're like, these words aren't alive. They're just pages in a book. They're just pages in a book. That he's, he's, he's not quite a myth, but yet he, 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 he's a person in the, in the dim past. You know, what, what do many other religions say about Jesus? Oh, he was a great teacher. Oh, he was a great teacher. He, he was a righteous man. But he's not the son of God. He, 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 he's a historical figure who, who lived many years ago and he did admirable deeds. But he can't save you. He can't save your soul. We see this all the time. When, when, when people refer to the Bible as outdated and, and, and the Bible's not progressive enough for, for, for our modern society. This is archaic. You don't have to live like this. These are the new days. You know, we got, we got all the, the, the new functions. Everything is new. It's, it's new age. This is, the Bible doesn't apply to, to us nowadays. An example of this is, you know, many young people, they, they think the concept of, of, of saving themselves for marriage is an ancient practice. That, that keeps you from true happiness. Well, I mean, it's my body. I'm going to tat it up. I'm going to pierce whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want with my body. It's my body. I can give myself to whomever I want. I mean, we know that that's not true. We know that's a lie, right? We know that's a lie. But But this is the whole idea behind people not having a true revelation of Jesus Christ. Because if they had a true revelation of who Jesus Christ is, they would be like, you know what? 
despite my, my passionate urges to want to do certain things, I digress, and Lord, I, I give you full control of my life, including my body. And I will honor you and honor my partner by waiting until we get married to partake in that. For that's such a rich, beautiful thing that consummates marriage. And, and, and you know, I mean, I come from, I'm not going to get into that, but it's, it's, not a, it's not a healthy thing when you live a promiscuous life. There's a lot of scars and a lot of baggage that come with it that the Lord can clean up. But now if you willfully know what not to do and you still choose to do it, now you are what the Bible calls a fool because you willfully go down that road. And, and you're, you're giving yourself more things that you have to deal with that just, it just, it's not good. You know, he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. It's like, you think of Esau. I just, just popped into my mind right now. You think of Esau. We've all had good meals. We've all had great meals. All the women, some men in here can cook great meals. No meal is worth giving up a lifetime of blessing. <laughs> All he had to do was get some water and go chill in the shade for a little bit and have his mama cook him something. But he just said, I'll give it over. Uh, don't defile yourself. I mean, that, that might be a silly example to some, but still, the, the, the picture it paints is, is so vivid. Don't give up what you don't need to for something that's fleeting, that's not even going to last. It's very temporal. The luster lasts for but a moment. And leaves you empty, wanting more. And you go back. It's not what we want. This lightweight acknowledgement of the reality of who Jesus Christ is. It, 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 it doesn't bring people to the reality enough for their hearts to be transformed. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 1 tells us. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. So this is basically saying you could end up like Pharaoh. You know, Pharaoh had the revelation of God revealed to him, but he continued to have a stiff neck. He continued to kick against the goads. And what did the Lord say? I hand you over. I hand you over. I hand you over to what you want because you've hardened your own heart, you know. And I won't get into the whole other thing because some people can dispute, oh, it was God who hardened Pharaoh's heart. But there, if you look at the text, it says Moses hardened Pharaoh's heart, uh, Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and God hardened his heart. We know Moses ain't going to harden his heart because that ain't going to happen. You know God don't harden hearts because God gave him the free will. Pharaoh chose on his own. This scripture right here proves that. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. What does that mean? Salvation is not going to be for you. You're going to be broken beyond healing. And nobody knows that time for every individual. But that's why the Bible is clear. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear God's voice, if you hear the premise of the word of God today, don't turn your back on it. Because it may be the only opportunity you have left. That's a strong word. That's a strong word that many people don't want to hear, but yet it is the truth. And it shows how much God loves us. He's like, man, I'm pleading with y'all. Please hear me. Hear how much I love you. Just turn from your sins. I mean, it ain't going to cost you much, but that's the problem is many people think I got to give up so much. All that I've worked for, all that my identity was in. Yeah, you may have to give up all that, but that pales in comparison to what you get when you receive the salvation given to you. From Jesus Christ. But if we're unwilling to budge. Both hands. <laughs> not on the plow. What did he say? What did Jesus say? You're not fit. If you do not have both hands to the plow. He was using the agricultural. You know because they, they un would understand that. But basically if you don't. If you're not all in. You're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. We got to be all in people. This is the day that we are all in. And you just look. You know it's getting crazy out there. If you're not all in right now, I don't know when you're going to be all in. There may not be time to be all in later on, you know? Because things are happening rapidly. As quick as Afghanistan got taken over, shoot. I don't know what's going to happen next. It could happen. 
real quick. Next, we see the revelation which God gave him to show his servants. This is an important reason why God gave this revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, he wanted to show his servants. He, he wanted them to know. He wants us to know. God gave this revelation that it might be shown and not hidden. He didn't want it to be a mystery where believers are, are scrambling around trying to figure out what is going to happen. What is Matthew 5, 16 say it talks about you don't you don't put a you don't put a, a light underneath so it can't illuminate. Right. It, if Jesus Christ is the light, he's there. This revelation in this book is there so we may understand so that we may know so that me, we may taste and see that he's good, even despite all of this disastrous stuff going on. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to walk around scared because we know that Jesus has this all under control. It all had to go through his hands. All you have to do, all you have to do is just remember the difficulties that other people in the Bible went through, as hard as it was in their lives, and how they came out unscathed in the end. Their souls, that is. All the difficulty they went through, but yet... Everything worked out for them in the end. Things which shortly must take place. That's the next statement we see here. This describes when the events of this book will take place. That they will happen shortly and that they must happen shortly. This means that the book of Revelation is a book of predictive Prophecy. We talked about that last week. We've, we're settled on the fact that this book is speaking of things that have not fully occurred yet. We are living in a day and age where if they're not starting already, these are definitely, we're living through birth pains of we're going to, you know, if the Lord allows us to live, continue on living, we're going to see some of these things taking place. It speaks of things that will happen in the future, at least the future from the time which it was written. Not all prophecy is predictive, but this prophetic book is, is it clearly is a, a, a predictive prophecy. Uh, next, we see the, the, the time is near. The time is near for the fulfillment of these things to come. But it was not the time at the present when John had written this book. The application for us is this. Some would say that we shouldn't be concerned about prophecy. Oh, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about it. It's a, it's a, it's a frivolous exercise to, to engage yourself in such foolishness. And they would use, well, Jesus doesn't even know the time of the hour. So why are you, why are you, you know, putting energy into this? But if God was concerned enough to talk about it, we should be concerned enough to listen to what the scriptures have to tell us. But we need to have a balance, right? While at the same time, not getting too far off into events in the future. You see, we as believers must be mindful of the things to come, but not turn a blind eye to daily tasks the Lord would have us to do. And I think, you know, Alou, uh, Lou, excuse me, alluded to that the last time he taught. When he, and I, and, I, and I'll just keep saying that. I don't know why it just keeps popping in my mind. Things that people don't want to hear, don't care to hear, or turn a blind eye to. We'd be foolish not to... Make ourselves aware of the climate of the world and the things that are going on around us. We, we should take heed to these things because they help us understand the full framework of Scripture. It really does. Shortly take place. Again, we see it here. Short and near. They're relative terms. And this is God's timetable, not man's. And that's why people will say, well, man, it's taking forever. You guys keep saying Jesus is coming back. It's been so long, he hasn't come back. The world's a mess. Look at these people. They're doing whatever they want. It's God's timetable. It's not man's. Remember, what is it? A thousand years is like what? But a day to the Lord and vice versa. So, I mean, it's not far-fetched to see this. And also that his, his desire is that, that, that none perish. We know that many are going to perish. But his desire, the Lord's heart, is that people would repent. And so for our own good, for our, some of our family's own good who are not saved yet, this is why the Lord is like, okay, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. I'm so patient. I'm still waiting. You got all this bloodshed and nonsense and craziness going on in the world. 
But he's like, I'm still waiting because not everyone is, is ready. When everyone's ready and that's kind of it, and then it's going to be the tribulation saints and that's it, then it's going to be on and cracking. But he's waiting because he's, he's patient. You see, shortly in the ancient Greek means quickly or suddenly coming to pass, indicating uh, that this is going to be something that's very rapid, a rapid, uh, a rapid sense of execution after uh, these things take place. It's going to happen like that. The idea is not that the event may occur soon, but that when it does, it will be sudden. What did Jesus say? I come as what? A thief in the night. He's going to come quick. And when he comes quick, if you are not ready, if I am not ready, it's just not going to be a good look. There's going to be a lot of people caught off guard. And by then it's going to be too late. And then they're going to be caught up in all that madness that goes on in this book. But that's all part of his righteous judgment upon this world for living wickedly for generation after generation after generation. I mean, he said the same thing to Abraham. He said the same thing to Lot. He said, get ready. Be ready. Get out. He's telling us the same thing. Get out. Come, from, uh, come out from among the people of this world. Be the true church. Don't mix the church with society in the sense that you're allowing society's norms to bleed into your belief system and the integrity of the church. And that's what we see going on. It's just that's. That's how you know there is a spirit of an apostate church that is prevalent in many churches in America. While there are solid churches, you cannot deny the fact that the apostate church is present. Whether that's something that's a precursor of more things to come, I can't tell you. I'm not that smart. I'm just showing you what the Lord has been revealing to me. This is a book of signs. The angel signified this message to, to John. It is a book that communi- it is communicated in signs. It is true that the signs used in Revelation have been a source of confusion and, contradi- and, 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 and um, controversy, excuse me, not contradiction controversy for some readers you see and people get to warn about it people get to fighting and debating about it but that's not the way to go about it you see the signs are necessary because the apostle john expresses things from heaven which paul said that he heard in inexpressible words this is what's going on because remember we have to remember an angel of god was revealing these things to john and he did his best to write these things down and detail them and communicate them to us the readers as best that he could led by the uh, influence of the holy spirit second corinthians chapter 12 verses 3 and 4 tell us this and i know that this man was caught up into paradise whether in the body or out of the body i do not know god knows and he he and and he hear things that cannot be told which man may not utter. And so again, this is another revelation, a revealing of what is shown to John. And as he describes these things, this is what we come up with when we see the book of Revelation. John describes the things he saw so he could only use symbol, symbolic images to explain it. To us, this book is prophecy, but John probably simply recorded history unfolding before him as he saw it. You see, John had visions from heaven, but he describes them in his own language and manner. These signs are also necessary because they, there is tremendous power in symbolic language. I'll, I'll say this as an example. It's one thing to call someone or something evil or bad, but it is far more vivid to describe, as in Revelation chapter 17, verse 6, the image of a woman drunk with the blood of the saints. That shows you, wow, a woman that's drunk with the blood of the saints, she's drunk with blood. What does that mean? She has a lust for violence. It's the idea of those who will massacre, kill, and destroy any saint that's ever lived. This is going to be the culmination of what's going to go on when the Antichrist is judged finally. Because again, of all times, 
of all times, the blood of the saints. You get a vivid picture from that. So we see this symbolism. It definitely plays a role in the book. Though it is filled with signs, the book of Revelation is accessible to those who have an understanding of the full scope of the Bible, and especially an understanding of the first 39 books of the Bible, which is the Old Testament. I'm just going to throw a couple of numbers at you because um, it's important to understand how much uh, the Old Testament is tied into the book of Revelation. It contains more than 500 allusions to the Old Testament and 278 of the 404 verses in Revelation. That's almost 70% make some reference to the Old Testament. So we see it would be wise of us to allow the Lord to lead us wherever he wants to lead us in the Old Testament books so we can get a better understanding of what he's going to be revealing to us in the time that we have as we go through this book. Next, we see by his angel and his servant, John. This tells us who was inspired to write the book of Revelation. It was his servant, John. And the best evidence points to, again, the apostle John, the same writer of the gospel of John and the books of 1, 2, and 3 John. By his angel. We see many of these signs and visions of the book of Revelation came to John through the supervision of an angel. You can read on your own about that. Uh, Revelation 5, 2, 7, 2, 10, uh, verse 8, chapter 11, verse 1, and 17, chapter 17, verse 7. They're all examples of that, where it speaks of uh, an angel of God revealing these things to the Apostle John. The application is this. It was God's revelation revealed to John. It wasn't John's ideas of a vision. He didn't just say, oh, well, I think this is what's going on, and he just started jotting stuff down. No, literally... It was revealed to John as he wrote. It was God's revelation. This again proves we need the ability to decipher Scripture with the wisdom of God led by the Holy Spirit, not our own interpretation. See, we live in a day and age where this whole thing, there's no absolute truth. Truth is relative. You got all kind of people trying to uncover whatever they want. I mean, that's why if you're not led by the Holy Spirit, you can come up with whatever conclusion you want about the Bible. Take it all out of whack. Yeah, Jesus said, hate your mother and your father. Jesus said he's going he's gonna to come and divide, you know, <laughs> husband and wife, son and daughter. That's not what he means, man. But you see, when we don't have the, the scope of what's really going on, we can make it mean whatever we want. Okay, next it says, who bore witness to the word of God. We see that John knew this book was Holy Scripture because it's the word of God. We, we sometimes wonder if the apostolic authors of the New Testament knew they were writing Holy Scripture. Well, for sure we know that John knew because he referred to it in that way. He called it a revelation from God. He knew that it came from the Father through Jesus Christ and not from any mere human being. He knew that it was Holy Scripture because, again, he called it the Word of God, as an Old Testament prophet would say. He also called it the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is very important for us to understand we don't interpret any single text from the Bible by itself. Rather, we interpret any piece of Scripture with the entirety of the Word of God, since it all supports and undergirds itself. All Scripture is centered around Jesus Christ. This is another way of viewing the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's sort of like different camera angles of the same picture. You know, sports games. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, tennis, you know, they, golf. They all have, they're all taking pictures of the same thing, but they got different positions. That's what the books are doing. They're just showing us a different point of view of what's actually going on. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 tell us this, Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's, again, I mean, it's, it's plain and simple. It's in the text. It's crystal clear, right? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand <laughs> that, that, that these things come from the hand of God. Prophecy is revealed by the Lord, not by man's own understanding. Okay, last verse. 
verse 3, it says, Blessed is the one who reads out loud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. This is the good stuff. Okay. It says, Blessed is the one who reads and who keeps the things which are written in this book. You see, the book of Revelation offers a unique blessing to those who read and keep the message of this book. This is, if you would, the first of the seven Beatitudes of the book of Revelation. I'll, 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 I'll uh, read these real quick. I'm, they're not verses. I'll give you the address, and if you want to in your own time, you can check and see that, wow, that's pretty cool that I'm blessed in these ways. So we already know from uh, Revelation verse, uh, verse one, ch- uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, that you're blessed if you read it, if you hear it, if you understand it and apply it to your life. Well, chapter 14, verse 13 tells us those who die in Christ will be blessed. We all know we're, we're, we're you know, unless he raptures, you know, unless we... You know, we, we do an Enoch, <laughs> we're going to die physically, but, but you're going to be blessed. Okay, that's in chapter 14, verse 13. Chapter 16, verse 15 tells us those who are watching for Christ will be blessed. Are you, are you watching for Christ? Are you expecting the return of Jesus Christ? If you're expecting the Lord to return, you're going to be blessed. But you got to expect it. It's not this old humdrum, I'm just living the Christian life because, you know... My mom did it. My grandma did it. And it's just a tradition in my family. No, it's I really believe that Christ is going to return and my soul's going to be with him forever. And I'm not going to be in hell with all these people who chose to turn their back on Jesus. So that's that's chapter 16, verse 15. Chapter 19, verse 9 tells us those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb will be blessed. Oh, man. To be at that banquet, to be at that dinner table. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed beyond what you can imagine to be able to be at that wedding feast with Jesus Christ. Chapter 20, verse 6 tells us those who share in the first resurrection will be blessed. That's for those who are believers. That's who are for those who trust in Jesus Christ as their personal savior. You will be blessed. Chapter 22, verse 7 tells us. All who are victorious will be blessed. Well, how are we victorious? We're victorious because we put all our eggs in the basket of Jesus Christ. All our hope is in Him. So we're going to be victorious and we're going to be blessed. Chapter 22, verse 14 tells us, Those who wash their robes will be blessed. And you see, these, these are just some examples of how this book will bless you as a Christian. You, your life will be blessed by understanding the book of Revelation as the Lord reveals it to you. You see, because they neglect the book of Revelation, excuse me, many people miss out on these blessings. For example, the Anglican church, they virtually omit Revelation in its regular schedule of readings in both public worship and private devotions. This is unfortunately a typical attitude towards the book of Revelations. Many, uh, I said Revelations, Revelation. Many people believe that only fanatics want to dig into this book. But really, it's a book for anyone who wants to be blessed. If you want to be blessed, explore the book. Allow the Lord to guide you through the text and you will be filled with blessing in your life. You see, thankfully, John didn't say, that we had to understand everything in the book of Revelation and be blessed because there are some difficult things in the book that may only be understood as we look back at uh, prophecy fulfilled. But we can be blessed by reading and hearing even when we don't understand. And next it says, Blessed is he who reads and, 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 and uh, and keeps those things which are written in it. You see, the promise gives more reason to know John believed this book was Holy Scripture. First, the words, he who reads and those who hear, shows that this book was intended to be read publicly, publicly, just as other books of accepted Scripture are. Second, the promise of blessing itself shows that John regarded the book as Holy Scripture, sacred, set apart. That's what we know the word holy means. 
In the Jewish world, such a blessing could never be given to a mere human book. They wouldn't bless something that was just inspired by humans, but a holy book would be revered in this way. All of these things together show that beyond a doubt, the book of Revelation claims to be holy scripture. You see, a critic can agree or disagree with that claim, but it can't deny that the revelation of God is made in this book. And lastly, we see here, keeps those things which are written in it. I think this is probably the most poignant point in this text right here, is that you actually have to keep what's written in it. The book of Revelation gives much more than information for prophecy. It gives us things to keep. Fact, if we understand the book of Revelation, it will change the way we live, as does all of Scripture. When you understand what God is revealing to you, then your lifestyle should follow the trajectory of change in your life. He who reads, this is singular, it speaks to one person who reads, those who hear, that is plural, it speaks to many people hearing. This idea probably comes from the custom of the early church with, with the attention given to a public reading of scripture which was often then explained. In our modern day, John might have said, blessed is the pastor who teaches revelation and blessed is the con congregation who hears it. The most important thing of this is it doesn't necessarily matter if you're the person reading it or the person hearing it. We both have to keep it. <laughs> I can teach it. If I don't keep it, I don't get blessed. If you hear it and you don't keep it, you don't get blessed. So you need to keep it. We all need to keep it. That's what it is. It's not merely reading, teaching, and hearing. We need to keep what is taught. Our lives need to be governed by the whole scope of the Word of God. It's the true whole counsel of Scripture. Our lives should be governed again by the full counsel of Jesus Christ. I'll end with these last two verses as Michelle and Isaiah come up. James, I alluded to this earlier. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. May we be those who not only read and hear God's word, but actually abide by it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again for just your, your truth, Lord. You make it simple. We don't have to be scholars to understand your word. We just have to be willing to humble ourselves and admit that we need you and that your word is true and that you will show us exactly what we need to know and that you would give us the ability to apply what we learn in your word. So Father, would you build in us, continue to build in us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. May we seek after you daily. May this not be a thing that we merely, you know, do give lip service to, but may our lives actually reflect that of service to you. May we love our neighbors as ourself, meaning any person that's around us. May we have mercy upon people. May we not repay evil with evil, but allow you to have your time of vengeance. And may we give love to those even who curse us, Lord, as that happened to your son. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name.